I'm Martin Reeves, Chairman of the Beast Jihannas Institute. Welcome to our Thinkers and Ideas podcast, where we discuss important new books and ideas in business. Joining me today is Ram Charan. Ram is very well known in business as a consultant, an author, and a CEO advisor who has more than 40 years of experience advising the very top people in business across the world. Unbelievably, actually, Ram has sold, I'm told, more than 4 million copies of at least 30 books that he's authored. They're very praised for being very practical and highly actionable. And we're talking about a very practical topic today, which is inflation. So Ram has a very timely new book out called Leading Through Inflation from Idea Press. So congratulations on yet another book, Ram, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Martin. And the book is available. People can download from Amazon. And if you are in India, it's available in India, printed in India. If you're in Brazil, it's available in Brazil right now. And it will be available in China in about a month. I'm very happy to do that. I think it's very timely. I think it's happening all across the globe. And I had the chance to do this in the 1980s when the hyperinflation was there. GE asked me to design a program and conduct for 1,000 people. And the name of the program was COIN, Coping with Inflation. So having lived through it, both in Brazil and America, so I wrote a piece in May, and now the book is ready, available. It's down to earth. It's practical. You can use it tomorrow morning. Great. Well, it's very timely indeed. So since it has been quite a while since most of us dealt with inflation, maybe some leaders have not dealt with inflation before, let's start off with basics. Um, You have a very good list of eight things you need to know about how inflation affects business. Could you walk us very quickly through how inflation affects a business? Yeah. So I think there are some universal truths about inflation. Every business must do that. Number one, inflation eats cash. So the first part is cash. That for the same volume of business, you use more cash. So you now, if you're not doing it, you start tonight to manage your business on a cash basis and not on accounting basis. If you are managing by cash basis, you adjust your revenues, you're coming in on the inflation-adjusted basis. Look at your cost basis. Your costs are going up. Your pricing has to increase. Your business model has to be examined, but you manage on the basis of cash. Therefore, you make the rolling cash flow month by month, in some cases day by day, and you see where the cash is trapped. Number two, find the areas where cash is trapped. They are in account receivables. They are in inventories. They are in your marginal products. They are in too many SKUs. They are in marginal customers. They are in the marginal plants. This is the time to stay fit, become smaller, generate cash, use it for buying companies you may get, recruiting talent you may get, and two to three years later, you will have new opportunities. So you plan for them now, experimenting innovation, productivity, and building the ecosystem. These are universal truths. I went through them. And as a business, I want you to have a war room where the right people meet every day, just like the generals do in Pentagon, and you see what is done, what is the outside information, how do we scrape the websites, who is increasing prices, who is increasing costs, and how do we change the business model. 
Well, your, your basic truths are very helpful, I think. But of course, some of us have not experienced those basic truths in our career, or maybe only have a distant memory of them. So for business leaders that have come up in a stable, high growth environment with low inflation, what are the skills or the instincts that they're likely to underestimate or miss? What are the blind spots, Ram? Yeah, the blind spots, Martin. One blind spot is they get so lost in the defense against inflation that they don't invest right now people, three, four, five people and the money to build post-inflation future. It's a very big blind spot. People don't do that. Second blind spot, they don't do monthly cash flow for the next three years under various scenarios. And they look at the hindsight and they don't look at the people who are driving the inflation. Inflation doesn't happen on its own. Human beings drive it. So Jay Powell is driving possible recession, possible stagflation. There is a driving from President Putin and the Ukrainian situation. There is a driving by the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and President Putin on the energy costs, energy availability and creating a havoc in Europe, and also the implications of the COVID in China. So the blind side is they don't see the whole thing together, and they don't see which way it is going to go in the future, what is their behavior driving, and what they are saying and what they're going to do. They're missing outside in view, future back. But it is being driven by these several people, and you have to see their behaviors. Okay. So I think most leaders will be familiar with their major tools for dealing with technology, innovation, growth. But what are the major managerial levers to manage or cope with or benefit from inflation? So managerial lever, the first and foremost, is communications. They've got to have in the company, under their responsibility, is people understand it. They get the real news from fake news. Their morale has to be positive in the sense that that we don't compare with 2022. We look at the new scenario, here are three scenarios. How do we outperform in those scenarios to set the right kind of goals, right kind of KPIs, right kind of flexibility? Get the people in the mood of fighting positively, then in the mood defending negatively. And that's the first part of leadership. You really do that. And that is, in some companies, is missing because you see all the time now in places where they're firing people, 10,000, 15,000, they have to do that. But they're missing the point that they may have to change the business model. They're missing the point how to do that. And that's creating a very negative energy in the companies. So you've got some good examples in your book, Ram. Can you give us an example of a company that's doing it well? And if you were to walk into that company, what would you see that is different from the regular peacetime operations? Yeah. I'm on the board of a company. It's publicly held. And I was very impressed how the management worked very, very consciously to see where the company can be in 10 years. They have a pretty good handle on the market space 10 years out. And in doing that, they're looking at it, what the structural changes, and working backwards to present that given inflation, given the scarcity of capital compared to abundance of 2022, higher interest rates compared to almost zero interest rates, 
how would this landscape shape? It's all yes intuitive, some facts, and they now presented what they will do in 2023, 2024, how they're changing resource allocation, how they're bringing new talent in, how they're building the coalitions. That thinking of 10 years out has changed quite a bit what they presented a year ago to the board. That is forward-looking. Okay, so let's maybe dig into some of those individual managerial levers. So you have an interesting phrase in the book. You say, cut costs which build the business. Could you tell us what you mean by, by that? Yeah, Martin, this is something I learned from a CEO, that you think about a business model first, that if you had an inflation for three years, costs rising over a three-year period, so I serve on a board where they're saying costs will rise 12% per annum for the next three years. So there's not much productivity you can do. And so you look at three years, consecutive combined cost increases 40%. And you cannot get the price increase that much. You've got to change your business model. Under the new business model, you cut segment of the cost, not incremental trimming. And that cost you cut, you get the cash. That cash is your fuel to build the future. That is how this thing coming out. So Ram, another thing you say in the book is you say that to be preemptive is to be predictive. And you say that in a sense, to anticipate inflation, leaders need to become armchair economists. I wondered about that because, of course, economists are not very good at predicting these things. Tell me about your thinking on being economy oriented as, as a CEO during a period of inflation. As you know, the economists don't have good reputation. The business people are practical people. How do you start? You start searching facts. Example, we now have people in Bangalore and other places who would scrape the websites just like Google does and see who is increasing prices. Are they suppliers? Are they buyers? They are leading indicators. Find leading indicators. There's a part number two. Understand in between the lines what is the Fed chairman actually saying. So, in one of the QA in two weeks ago, roughly, Jay Powell said that I would increase the fund rates above the inflation to get to the 2% goal. It's there, it's an absolute in print. Read those things and say, huge common sense, what will that mean to an industry? Then say, what will that mean to your company? But look at the industry first, because in the industry, all of them will be affected, but some more, some less. People who have dry powder, they will be in the winner's seat. People have too much debt, largely dollar debt. They will be in a defensive position because the dollar has gone up. Use simple pattern relationships and look at the leading indicators, lagging indicators and test them, call people, say, what are you reading? Is it really happening? I would rather go that way than looking at the belated indicators coming in print. Okay, I'm following you now. So you're saying basically do not look at the general rate, look at the particulars in a very practical way, your industry, yes. your competitors. Yes, because even today, no two commodities are going up at the same time or going down at the same time. But some prices are controlled by human beings. The price of oil is largely driven by two human beings, and that is what is happening between President Putin and what is happening in the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. They're deciding 
how much to pump, how much not to pump, and creating a change in the flow of oil. Yeah. So look at the particulars. That's, that's powerful. Another key theme in the book, I think, is timing. You stress that it's not about the average balance over time. It's about the timing of costs and prices. And you say, if I get this correctly, that your argument is that one of the key enemies of companies in dealing with inflation is what you call analysis paralysis, a failure to act promptly. Tell us about the importance of timing. Yeah. So this is a game that is not being shaped by your direct competition. It's being shaped by outside forces and then competition reacting. And so you got to focus more on outside forces and then say those forces are affecting you as well as your competition. What they're doing, what we are going to do. And now doing all that, the timing is that, for example, in January this year, number of people increased their prices 20%. They clearly have pricing power. They are now safe and saying, I've got enough cash, enough gross margin to do that. So if you miss two rounds of not increasing prices and your costs are going to go up and you thought you're doing a great favor for your direct customer, you're going to figure out you don't have enough cash, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting your customer because that customer is not doing the right thing for himself because he did not get your price increase. Therefore, he did not take that into account. Therefore, he did not increase the price and therefore he's serving. So it's a value chain linkage. And look at the whole flow of inflation from very beginning end of the value chain to the other one. And no two links are changed increasing their inflation at the same rate. This is what you need to do. So I guess you're outlining really why inflation is actually tougher than it sounds, because it's dynamic. You don't know quite what's going to happen next. It's particular. You know, it's not general headlines about inflation. It's about particular linkages. It's about timing. And probably it's also about balance, I guess, in that the idea is not to maximize prices, not to minimize prices, but to think about the, the correct balance. Yeah, yeah. This is first and foremost goal for every CEO. Have the company come out fighting fit to take on future that's coming, trimmed, making the decision, break-even points, pricing preemptive, cost, break-even point, and then at the same time, building a team to create the new future. And so in doing all that, leadership has to expect that we will be a different kind of a company coming out. That's what the leadership is. Now, timing. Timing part is that you can be preemptive. Let us say, I say inflation will continue until the fourth quarter next year and beyond. And let us say I'm wrong and that inflation really subsides. Prepare now to be wrong. If I'm wrong and your scenario is wrong, you may not get the upside, but you will be fighting fit and you will have the people working on the innovation, new segments, adjacent segments, and so on to go into the future. This is the kind of resilience you need to have. I guess there's as much in common with all crises in the sense that the human psychologists would say, on average, you become more insular, you become more defensive, you become more short-term. Yet a lot of what you're talking about here is balancing the short and the long-term. So how do you encourage imagination, strategic thinking, attention to the long-term during a crisis? Yeah, so this company that I'm on the board on, they had this separate team working on it. They brought new talent in because they could see the 10-year possibilities where they are. 
And you must do the thinking right now, initially as a separate team. Now, if inflation were the only thing that's going on, then life would be complex enough, as we've already described, Ram, but actually it's not, right? We've also got energy instability. We have the rise of sustainability. We have the continued march of technology. We have geopolitical instability. We have social division. We have a stasis or a partial reversal of globalization. This playbook you've got for inflation, is it good for all of that uncertainty or do we need to think about other things too? We should see other things, Martin. And we should really define what does uncertainty require. It requires ability to make shifts in the following. Number one, shift in resource allocation, shifts in KPIs to take rigidity out, shifts in structural change in the budgets so you can move, a modular organization structure. The rigidity is from KPIs and rigidity of the goals. So I now begin to see companies, they're saying, I've got three scenarios, I've got a dry powder, and my water room is now adjusting the resource allocation, budget allocation, and navigating it. Because there is no way I can tell you, I will be very good in forecasting uncertainty. Yes, we have assumptions. Yes, we forecast. Sometimes you're going to be right. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. But define flexibility to move for maneuvering the storms they come. Steering the, this is in my book, Attacker's Advantage, that you actually learn how to steer the ship, your large company. So we've been talking, Ram, as if inflation is one thing. Of course, it's a very different thing in parts of Asia, where it's a lesser concern, in Europe, where it's about energy, in the US, where it's about labor. Is this playbook good for the globe, or, or do we have very different games going on in different places? If you are a multinational, here is the crux of the issue. And the multinational has all these external forces, cyber, sustainability, the PR, all those things. And so the issue is how to determine priorities going forward. Most of that is qualitative. And the leadership here is very simply stated, it's very difficult. Simply stated is that do you have the self-confidence to set the right priorities, even though you may have to sacrifice your personal gain or loss, because there are no certain answers when you set the priorities. You could make mistakes, but you gotta be bold, and you're going to do the right thing, even though it may have personal consequences. That's how people are going to be tested. You know what happened at Disney. Yeah, well, actually, I had a question relating to that, Ram, which is, you know, I was wondering the other day, is there such a thing as a wartime leader? So if we look at the history of nation states, we see that the leaders of peacetime are not necessarily the, the leaders that do well during a crisis period. And then after the crisis has subsided, like Churchill, they can become sort of quite unimportant very quickly. So I'm wondering, does this require a very different sort of CEO from the era that we've just been through? Or can many of the CEOs you deal with cope with good times and crisis times too? Yeah, so Martin, I've seen a number of companies, they are finding that the existing second layer to the CEO doesn't really have candidates for the new game. And I still maintain, I learned from you, that Disney is the best example. Mr. Iger postponed his retirement 
minimum three times. And then he chose a successor for which now no. So he didn't really have people ready for the new game. And the job at Disney is as complex as you can get any other company. So is the lesson of that, Ram, have a good succession plan and perhaps think about rotating leadership for different circumstances? Or what would be your takeaway? Yeah, I think, Martin, I am very explicit. The Disney board failed. It's the board's job to know the people. They need to meet them, see them, figure it out. They have to get the CEO to say, where are the people in 10 years who will become possible CEOs? And are they being molded in the old mold? Or are you determining a new mold? And they have to determine a new mold so they got experiences. Not just what is the immediate succession. And the Disney board failed. Disney CEO failed. It happened in PNG. Same thing. Eventually they found. But I love the succession at Coca-Cola. So I can tell you that. It's not published in my book. That the first round, several years earlier, that Mutar can't put people through the board. And I mean through the board, not just presentation, what do you think? They spent time interviewing, getting to know the people, so on. And the board said, no, nobody is good. And then he did it again. This time he took the board around the world to meet the people, spend a day. And that's how they found the new CEO, James Quincy. And I believe that's a damn good decision. Warren Buffett feels very good. I feel very good because I knew that particular process. That's why I wrote it. I met him before he actually got the CEO job. So here, the board was fully engaged. I even talked to the people who are very big peeled investors in Coca-Cola. I got the interview with the Herbert, a gentleman that is the key person on the board. They together made the decision on James Quincy. That's a very good, non-eventful, no publicity succession of an icon of the world. So unfortunately, Ram, we're nearly out of time, but let me just ask a couple of final questions. So we possibly have recession, we're in an inflationary period, but we'll come out of it. And one thing I've learned about crises is that the, you never return to the previous state. The new normal is not the old normal. So as you think about competing in whatever comes the other side of a possible recession, is that just basically the world as we knew it two years ago? Or do you think there'll be some, some predictable difference in, in how we compete? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Martin, first is the leadership mindset. Come to the conclusion, world markets segmentation, consumer behavior does not return to the past because the drivers have changed. So you've got to do some shoe leathering, start with the consumer. What's the shift? Go and mix with them, observe them. That drives the rest of the shift happening. It may be delayed, it may be distorted. Second, the technologies are not going to be going backwards. They are new, they influence behavior. They create new companies who change the game and say how they interact with the consumer behavior. And what new companies are coming in that influences business model and change the whole value chain. So being nostalgic is a driver of obsolescence. You got to be preemptive. You got to be future back. You got to put some options on the table. You got to do some experimentation. You got to create some time. And while I'm at it, in many of the large companies, it's going to emerge 
that running day to day will be done by somebody else, not by the CEO, because the external pressures will be so much that he or she has to make decisions only they can make, and those decisions require personal time. And therefore, they've got to find a different way to manage day-to-day operations. And I guess you practice what you preach in that respect, Ram, because you're, you're always thinking about the next book, the next managerial idea or construct we need to be thinking about. So I wonder whether you could give us a, a window into your thinking on what you're going to be writing about next, what you think is going to be important next for leaders and managers. So Martin, right now I'm writing the next book, and that is America's World Order Under Attack, What to Do Next. And that is the Chinese announced strategy and intent to append the American-based world order. So I've done the interviews, I'm moving ahead with it, and we have some very good ideas what needs to be done. Well, that's very exciting. I look forward to talking with you about that one, Ram, but thank you very much for spending your time with me today and congrats on the book. Thank you. So we've been talking about leading through inflation from Ram Charan from Idea Press, which is certainly very timely. I like the book for its very hands-on topical content and especially I think there's going to be a lot of value variable information in chapter seven for readers where you have a number of checklists. What should the CFO do? What should procurement do? What should the CEO do? What should the board do? And I actually got a great deal out of reading through those, those checklists. So thank you again, Ram. And to our listeners, if you've enjoyed the conversation, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting platform. And as always, we welcome your feedback and your comments to the BCG Henderson Institute.